Here we go. All right, this it, it's incredible. These forty-eight ways, I'm really, I'm really blown away by them. Uh, the way uh, Rabbi Weinberg taught them. I mean, I, I've, I've been learning. Again, I've learned this Mishnah. I've learned this Mishnah probably hundreds of times, and this this time around, the way we're looking at it as not as really understanding each each way is 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 really been uh, been blowing me away. So way number nine, way to wisdom, number nine, the way to acquire wisdom is, well, in Hebrew, it's tahara, which means purity. And we're going to focus on uh, a couple areas of what that means, purity. It's it kind of, uh, it's not what you would think it means. Uh, so let's jump in. What are we referring to? Now, when I was a kid, I don't know, I haven't looked at the box recently, but um, ivory soap was very popular when I was a kid. I don't think it's as popular now. But it always used to say on there, it's, it's, uh, it's 99.999% pure, I'm guessing soap, right? <laughs> um. So when we talk about purity, whatever we're talking about is something that's pure and unadulterated. So we're going to focus on three areas of purity. We're going to talk about intellectual purity. We're going to talk about emotional purity and goal purity, and then total purity of the whole package. Those three areas encompass most things, intellectual, emotional, and goal, and then how that all interplays. So what exactly are we referring to? Well, uh, most people uh, don't use and certainly aren't in control of a lot of their brain capacity, a lot of their emotional capacity, and the power of, um, of goals. Um, we just, we have a very, especially in today's day and age, we have a very hard time concentrating, hard time kind of sometimes staying on top of our emotions. And um, so we're going to explore that a little tonight. And I found it very, very helpful in, in preparing for, for tonight's class, and I think you will as well. So let's look at the first area. You have, you have intellectual, let's say your mind, purity of mind. Well, there's quantity of that and there's the quality of that. So the first thing you have to do if you're trying to have clarity, we're, we're, taught, we're, we're focusing here on purity of thought, of, of, in, of using your intellectual capacities in a pure way. The first question to ask yourself, let's say when you're trying to think, is what am I trying to think about right now? What is it? If you don't know the answer to that question, it won't be possible to have a pure um, uh, experience. You know, in basketball, when you go to the NBA or any major you know, Olympics, whatever it, it, it might be, you know, there are players that are clearly uh, physically, athletically above everybody else. But in general, the major difference between the, the greats and the people who aren't as great is the ability to be 100% focused on what you're doing. 
And the first thing you have to do in order to be focused, to have a, a pure uh, experience, is to know what you're, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you trying to think about right, right now? Well, once you know what you're trying to think about, then you can know what else to push aside. You know what you're thinking about. You have some distraction comes in. You can push that aside. That's really what meditating is. When, when a person meditates, they, they stay focused on a certain thing and they push everything else out. And this number three, I think, is the most powerful thing, similar to last week's joy. Number three is that you are the master. We are the master of our minds. You know, I think a lot of times I fool myself to think that, you know, my, I'm not in control of my mind. My mind has a mind of its own. And, you know, thoughts come in, they come out. I see something, you know. But we have to believe and understand. I'm sure if you spoke to a neurologist, they probably could explain it much better. But we actually are in full control of our mind. Now, <clears throat> it's something maybe it takes a while to, to, to develop that muscle or to re- to, you know, to, to start using it again, but it's something that ha we have the capability to be the full master of our minds. It requires discipline. It's something which takes time. You know, God forbid, let's say someone breaks their arm, they break a leg. And so at the beginning, it, it takes a while till you gain full control back of that arm. So if we're, you know, most of us have, we've trained ourselves to some degree to not be fully in control of our thoughts, but it's something which is which is doable. Like any other part of our body that we have control of, we actually do, we can have control of our mind. Now, one of the tools of this for many, many years, and, and still for some mitzvahs we do this, is that before we do a mitzvah, we actually stop and we say what we're about to do. And, and that's, if you look throughout Judaism, there's so many ideas that are just incorporated in what we've been doing. We don't even realize all the genius in what we're doing. And that actually for, for, for many years and in many Sidurim, you see this idea of a person just zeroing in on what they're doing, trying to have a pure experience, 100% I'm doing what I'm doing. Now, how do you do that? You know, you we're, especially today, we go from one task to the next, so the next thing, then we get a text, then we get a this. So one thing is you can slowly engage yourself. I know when you you can you can just let's say you're reading or trying to study something or focus, and you can say it out loud and use all the tools we've used till now. And here is something which is gonna blow your mind, literally. We're talking about blowing our minds. Judaism teaches. Now, I don't know what uh, mental health profession says, but Judaism teaches that a person has 70 intellectual tracks in their mind that can be engaged in theory. That sounds nuts. That sounds crazy. But if you think about it, we there's we 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 um we use many tracks all the time. Think about the first time you drove. 
first time you drive, or even let's say you're in, you're driving in a new environment. I, for me, sometimes when you're driving in New York City, I'm like, you don't want to hear anything. You want to talk to anybody. You want to hear the radio. I know sometimes I'll shut the radio off if I really have to concentrate. But most of us, while we drive, we could be driving. We can be on our Bluetooth. We can be having conversation, listen to the radio. We can be looking around. You know, so we, we, without even thinking about it, we actually are aware of many of these tracks and we engage them all the time. But, but you know, it's well known that most people don't use the, their potential of their brain even close. And it's well known that there are people who have done this. In fact, one of the greatest leaders in 20th century Europe, before the war, he passed away before the war, his name was Rabbi Chaim Ozer Grudzinski. And he was, he was known to be brilliant. And, you know, there are many people that are brilliant, but there are people who actually use their brilliance. And he was known to be able to, he was ambidextrous. So he was able to write two letters about different topics while carrying on a conversation. And who knows what, else, what, he, what he was thinking about in the back of his head? Because he developed the different tracks in his head with that, with that purity of, of, um, of focus. Now it's something that takes time to develop. One thought at a time, and you focus on it, and you work it through, and um, be amazed what uh, what you what you can do. Now, part of the reason we have those different tracks is because there are certain things which we have to be doing at all time. For example, Judaism teaches that a person should visi Hashem le'negdi summit. A person should always have God placed in front of them, which means you always have a track in your head, the God track. God's always there. You know, if God goes away, that's what, that's what, what Aristotle said when they caught him uh, acting very immorally. And he said, oh, that wasn't Aristotle when I did that. Um, so we have those tracks and we have those abilities and we can develop them one at a time. This ability to be, to be a pureness of, of thought, a pureness of, of, of intellectuality, we should, we should engage it and we should exercise it. And, but don't, not, not on things that are hurtful for us or things that are useless. You know, think about God, think about love, think about positive things, have an immersive experience. And today it's such a foreign thing. I tell you, every once in a while, when I either forget my phone or my phone dies, I I love it. I love it. It's 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 really uh, it's really incredible. Um, there there there's a Jewish uh, philosophical meditation, which really is a one-liner, but it's it's you can turn it on at any time, and that is that a person can be alone with God, even in a crowd. It's a different track. So it's a, you're able to totally focus in on what you're trying to focus in on. So that, so that's uh, a number of points on the, I would say the general concept of intellectual purity. Now, ratcheting it up a notch, 
there's a couple facts about thoughts which would help us with this ability to stay focused, to, to more than focus, to, to have a pure, a pure intellectual experience. We are what we think. We are what we think. In other words, we, our life experience is pretty much based on the way we think. Because our, our ideas, they dictate our reality. If someone thinks that people are out to get them, then their life runs that course. If a person thinks they're not smart, it becomes a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, we have to, to, to realize that. And therefore, we want to have clarity of thought so we can, we can live a clear, a clear, beautiful life. I'll give you an example. You can ask yourself, um, let's say you said something. You said something like, you know, uh, I would never hurt anyone without good reason. Well, what do you mean? Do you really think that? What does good reason mean? We have to have clarity, and that clarity will it can really only be achieved if we act, we have this intellectual purity as much as we can. So, if you when you have ideas that you've thought through, so then the way you take them, if you take this pure idea, and then you start to act on that idea. You act on ideas. You act on ideas. They they become real, and then you really react to them. Let's say someone asks you, "What's more important, wisdom, or 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 or, or physical enjoyment?" So let's say you said wisdom is more important. Well, then you see, would you be willing to make an actual choice uh, based on that? Would you? Or would you not? Now. It takes a lifetime and it takes a lot of time to work through many ideas and to have a clear intellectual understanding of, of, of different things. So what you want to do, and this is this is because I, I actually had a very long conversation with someone last night, a three-hour conversation with someone last night, covering many, many different topics. And the reason why it took so long was because there were so many different pieces to this conversation. And what really what we have to do is you have to separate the things that we know and the things that we don't know and not famish them. Because what we can do is if we if we get confused, the things that we um, that we know and don't know, then then you can end up thinking the things that you don't know, uh, you really do know and the things that you do know, you don't know. And that lead, leads for a very not pure, clear experience. So you got to know we know and know what we don't know. So that's pretty much about as far as intellectual purity. Now let's talk about a little, probably a little, it's going to be a little bit more uh, heavy, but emotional purity. Emotional purity. We're going to call that ruthlessness. What I mean by ruthlessness is not the usual negative connotation that most people have. But the idea of having an experience of one emotion or having the emotions that you would like to have. 
very often our emotions get in the driver's seat and they dictate what we do. So how are we going to have pure emotional experiences? So the A of it obviously is that it's a concept of knowing what's the emotion I'm trying to, I would like to have right now, or what's the appropriate reaction to have now, and recognize that other emotions are inappropriate now. Um, for example, let's say someone, uh, no, we'll get to the examples in a minute. I want to talk about the concept for a, a little more. Now, you may say, how is that possible? I have so much going on. So many different things. Now, there's a story, uh, really a parable, that the Chavetz Chaim gives about this. He says there was once a, a person who uh, was a big, big scholar, big to Agar, you know, Jewish scholar, and um, you know, and he started a business and he started putting a few hours a day into the business. And with time, the business really took over his whole life. He became pretty much a workaholic. And one day he wakes up and he looks in the mirror and he sees he's starting to grow white hair. And he runs that morning, he runs straight to the study hall. And at nine o'clock in the morning, his wife gives him a call and to see, you know, uh, you know, we have all these customers here. They need you. Going to get through to him. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, he shows up to the business. His wife says to him, what's going on? We have all these customers. Now, I would have recommended he tell his wife before he did this, but whatever, maybe you're going to get through. And he said, you know what? I realized I saw those white hairs on me, and I realized that right the way I'm living now, I'm going to look back, and I'm, I'm going to have regrets. And therefore, I said, you know what? The first, if I, if the first four, if, if I got the, the time comes and I die, right? People, the customers, you're going to tell them he's not available and they're going to be, they're going to have to live, they're going to have to wait for, for someone else. That I want to consider, he said, that every morning I, you in the business should consider it as if I am dead. Because I, I need to be able to focus on other things besides my business. And, and we all do that. God forbid there's something really dangerous. All of a sudden, whoosh, you can forget about the stuff you were stressed about. You stop having those emotions. If something really sad happens, you can forget about happy emotions. If something really happy happens, you can, have, you can forget about the sad emotions, the stressed emotions. There is this ability. Another, I'll tell you another story. Famous, famous rabbi, huge sage, the Hassam Sofer, Pressburg, the Moshe Sofer. You know, today we have books everywhere. It's easy to get books. You download things. You go in any store. It's easy. Every show has tons of books. Most houses, uh, many, many houses, have. it's pretty standard to have huge Jewish libraries. And the Hassam Sofer, when he would go to visit, often he would find a page missing. And what he would do is he would actually write over word for word the entire page that was missing. And they could be, if you've ever seen a page in a Jewish book, there could be thousands of words on it. And 
someone asked them once, how can you do that? Just write every single word on the page. And he said, when I study and when I write over those pages, there's nothing else in the world. He got himself to that point. And that's, that's an incredible thing. That's an incredible thing. And that is something that, that we can, we can, we can do that, that you have to be open to that. That is something that can happen. And we have to, we can use this in our daily lives. We use it in relationships, we use it for, for situations. And we also have to, we, we can, we, we can we can realize that we, it sounds crazy, but we actually do this all the time. You know, if there's something that we don't want to think about, we shut out that emotion. We shut out that emotion. But that ability to shut out an emotion for insanity, let's use that to be able, in a positive way, to be able to think, to protect important things we do need to think about. And I mean, sorry, emotions we do want to be feeling. Focused on emotions now. And, and Jewish tradition tells us that the same way there are 70 tracks of intellectual capacity in our brains, we have 70 tracks of emotion. I, I'm sure I can't imagine that there aren't all kinds of scientific studies about this. But that's what Judaism teaches us. And it, therefore, it's possible to feel happy and sad at the same time. Let's say you get a big promotion. And you're in, a, in some company, an international company. And it means you're going to be making triple the amount of money. But one of the things that's going to require you to do is to move. So you're so happy you got the promotion. But at the same time, you're, you're a little bit sad. You're going to have to move. There's, you know, someone, you know, gets a, I don't know, I don't know how it would feel. Let's say someone becomes a millionaire because someone dies. There's, Hopefully, there's very there's tremendous feelings of remorse and sadness. But you know, you are a millionaire now. I don't know, I don't know how that how that how that computes. And this happens all the time. We have we have situations where people call we call it a mixed bag. So we have those seventy tracks, and we want to be able to have emotional purity, be able to have the feelings we want to be having at different times. Well, there's three of those tracks that are pretty much already taken, but they should be taken. Judaism teaches we always should be in this, have the joy track engaged, even in times of sadness. Joy track should always be engaged. We, the track of awe of God, the track of love of God, these are all ongoing. I think we can understand this when we think about a computer. You have, you have all the different systems that are going at the same time and, and and they're not contradictory you know one can be fully always thinking about their wife at the same time they're always thinking about god they you know it, it, they, they don't take away from each other uh but it takes it takes um it takes work and, and and belief that it's it, it is possible and we want to get to the point where we can turn on and have the experience of one emotion and push out other ones. I'm going to a wedding. I have a lot of stress in my life. And I want to be there for my friend or my family member to be in a state of joy for them 
I want to be in a state of joy for myself. I want to be able to do that. You can do that. You actually can do that with work and, 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 and know-how and belief in that is possible. One of the big things that we can do is we can actually give ourselves pep talks. You know, when, when a manager or a coach or an inspirational speaker, a rabbi, whoever it might be, wants to get their team going, right? And then everyone, you know, you get your team together by the halftime and you give them a whole pep talk. You get their emotions going, they run out and they go nuts, right? You can do that. You can be your own cheerleader. You can give yourself those pep talks. You don't have to, you know, halls have pep talks on them. You don't have, you don't have to wait for, for, um, for someone else to do that. And, and, and a person can, the same way that, you know, coaches need to coach people because they get stuck in a certain emotional paralysis. Well, we can get ourselves in those, in those, in those uh, states of paralysis that we can get ourselves out of them. Our emotions are, are, not, are not in charge. We, before you're about to go into a situation, you can ask, what emotion do I want to be having now? You know? Uh, and then you can take, 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 it's in your hands to stay focused on that. But the only way that works, and this applies to the intellectual purity, it applies to emotional purity. Purity we're defining as unadulterated. What are you doing? You're doing 100%. Is you got to be able to give it your all. And you got to be able to try work to block out crippling negative emotions, identify them and push them out. It may not stay out the first time, but you keep coming and you push it out, you push it out, you push it out, you push it out, and it stays out. And every time it gets easier, especially when, when it's negative energy, which will have zero pr productivity from it. You know, someone is... Um, you know, they missed the flight or they're waiting for the taxi and it's not showing up. And and you could either sit there and, 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 and stamp your feet and be angry and seething. Or you can just say, you know what, this negative energy, this is this is worthless. You can choose to not have that and have something else. You can switch to your positive thoughts. Now, the goal here is not to be a person who's a deadbeat, not to be a zombie, a person who is devoid of emotion. The goal is to have the, the emotions that you want to be having at the appropriate times. And, uh, you know, there are times when, when we have to recognize when we're on purpose trying to avoid a certain emotion that we maybe need to be having. Okay, so we have talked about emotional purity. We talked about intellectual purity. Now let's talk about purity of goals. First question you ask yourself is, well, what am, what are the goals of what I am doing now? I have a job. What's the goal of my job? I have certain things I'm, I'm involved in, certain things I'm not involved in, certain general questions. What? are your current goals and then make them real well if you have a certain goal is what you're doing actually following suit from that 
And obviously the most important goal to have is why am I living? Why am I, what is my general life purpose? What are you willing to, what we said many times, what are you willing to live for? What are you willing to die for? So if you take your clear goals and you take your clear, pure emotions, it's not an easy thing to have like, you can imagine how this is helpful for wisdom. You can actually imagine being able to fully, fully think about an idea, to fully experience an emotion. You put them all together, and as they say in baseball, real good batters, they swing from their toes. They put everything into it. They're fully, it's an, with everything they do, they're present. They have, they're thinking about something, they're thinking about it. They're having an emotional experience, they're having that. And, 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 and in fact, we, 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 we say this in davening every Shabbos, all of our limbs, use everything. You, you just use every fiber of your physical, intellectual, emotional uh, self. And, and, and it's amazing what you can accomplish when you, when you do that. And you see that. People are able to accomplish things when they're so focused on, on whatever they're doing and they care about it. So why is this a way to wisdom? Of course, as we've been discussing the, the, whole, the, the whole time. Number one, we, we daydream half the time. We're not even thinking. The way to get wisdom is you got to think. Well, we, we're, we're trying to out with the daydreaming. We can apply ourselves to a task with actually being, being able to have the dedication to have single-mindedness. We can incorporate what you've thought about into your behavior. That makes it more real, makes it more pure. You can contemplate one idea at a time and then clarify it completely without jumping from here to there to there to there to there to there. Focus. Take an emotion and experience it fully. You know, how much emotions get bottled up because we don't allow them to be felt. You need to be able to feel them. And then link your emotions to your goals. You know, success in anything largely depends on your ambition. You know, they say Michael Jordan, he wanted it more than everybody. And we're just again the basketball. Take an emotion that you want to have and, and really have really feel it. You know, some people have a hard time feeling sad. They'll have a hard time feeling happy, feeling accomplished, feeling good about themselves. It's or feeling appropriately sad, appropriately stressed. Feel though, I mean, today we're very into it in the 21st century, but but we still want to be in control. Want to be in full control. You are the master of your mind, and you are the master of your emotions. But this takes training. The same way when you juggle, right? You first you have to first thing is you do, you have to be able to catch. You throw one, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. And then you could throw another one in. You do that, you do that. With time, you with a, a person can is incredible when you you can find people like this. They've worked their and they've developed the ability to think and to focus, but it's a muscle and you gotta work at it. We can so many times we're plagued with thoughts from movies or life experiences or, or traumatic things. And, and, and we can block out insanity. We really could. 
And like with everything, we got to mean what we say and say what we mean. And then we'll have clarity, purity of thought, purity of emotion, purity in our goals, and a whole purity, one big package of, um, of, uh, of purity. And I think, you know, this is such a appropriate message on Hanukkah, you know, the oil that was used uh, in the miracle of Hanukkah was, was a special oil. It was a, it was only, you used the only one drop. It was like one, the purest drop from each olive. And that's why it took so long to make. And that's why it was so special. But it was because there, there's something about things being absolutely, really pure, unadulterated. That's why we were, we're so attracted to kids and certain people that are just, they're, they're pure. They're pure. It's, it's, it's what it is. What you see is, is, is what you get. We, we feel very good when, when, when we're present. I hope we have a few more nights to look at the candles. The person looks at the candles, the candles, uh, they give us energy. And there's so much energy in Hanukkah. And thank God, you know, we got the vaccine coming up and hopefully, um, you know, things are calming down in general in the world. But we still need a lot of strength, a lot of emotional strength, a lot of intellectual strength, a lot of life strength. And hopefully we should be able to, uh, to get a lot from this Hanukkah to uh, hold us through this amazing uh, next period in time. So thanks for coming on and have a beautiful Hanukkah.